0: Welcome. This is the Warning Woods Halloween Special 2022, The Exorcism of Ridgeville. This is part four of a five-part mini-series. Be sure to listen to each part of the story in the order they are released. This story will reach its terrifying conclusion at midnight on October 31st, Halloween. Without further ado, here is... Is the Exorcism of Ridgeville, Part 4? My phone rang while I was watching the news the following morning. I knew who it was before I even picked it up. Have you heard? Isaac asked. I'm watching it now, I said. I've been with his mother all morning. I told her I needed to go to the bathroom. I had to lie just so I could have a second to call you. Do you think this is related to... You know... I stared at the TV screen, and a young, blonde boy, maybe eleven or twelve, wearing a blue Ridgeville Riders soccer uniform stared back. The ticker read, Local boy Wade Worthing reported missing overnight. Search preparations underway. It was Little Worthing Seventeen. Maybe, I said. I met that kid once. Coincidentally, I talked to him right where Sam used to sit at the bank. He told me he and his friends called Sam Sicko Sam because he tried to lure kids into the woods at night. Wait, really? That seems like the kind of thing that would get around this community pretty quick. I don't think people would have been so tolerant of Sam if that were true. Who knows, kids make stuff up, I said but it's hard to ignore the possibility knowing what we know now. Well, hold on, Isaac said. Sam's dead. We know that for sure. This kid could have just wandered off and gotten lost. She hasn't said this publicly, but his mom told me they had a fight yesterday evening before he left. That eased my worry a little. With everything else going on, I had immediately jumped to the worst-case scenario. It's like I forgot kids could run away on their own. I looked at the kid's smiling picture panning out on the screen and hoped that was the case. "'Patrick? Patrick, are you there?' Isaac brought me back. "'Yeah, sorry.' "'We should join the search party. Red will be coordinating it, I'm sure. I think the three of us should all be together out there.' "'Good idea. I'll clear my calendar,' I said. There was a long pause on the other end of the line. Finally, Isaac asked, "'Was that a joke?' Yes, yes it was, at least an attempt at one. Probably not the best time, I suppose. I'll see you there. We met up at a trailhead where the police were organizing a search party. An officer handed us each an orange vest like one a hunter might wear. Isaac and I walked around the crowd to get around to the chief. He looked haggard. I'm guessing he was trying to manage a slight hangover as well as the growing search party. Oh, good, I hope you two might show up he said when he saw Isaac and I. You could have called us, I said. Yeah, been a little busy today in case you hadn't noticed. Sorry, what can we do? You two stick with me while we search. I'm going to have the rest of this bunch comb the woods in a grid, but there's a spot I want to check personally. Let me guess, you want to check the spot where Sam was found, Isaac asked. Red pursed his lips and raised his eyebrows, silently recommending the pastor keep his voice down. Over the next ten minutes, officers organized the crowd into duos and spaced them out evenly. They were instructed to walk straight through the woods and call out if they found anything. Ridgeville PD didn't have anything as fancy as whistles to hand out to the party. While the rest of the civilians were still receiving their instructions, Red told Isaac and I to follow him back to his car. We loaded into the back like a couple of drunks he'd picked up for bar fighting. "'Lose those vests,' he said." I don't want anyone spotting us and asking why we're separated from the party. But you're the chief, I pointed out. Oh, you think that means I'm top dog, can do whatever I want? Listen, buddy, I still gotta answer to the mayor, the city council, even the friggin' education board if they see fit to ask what's going on. If anything, I'm under more scrutiny than the average cop, so we gotta be careful. He started the car and we drove around the woods to a gravel road leading up into the hills. It took about five minutes to reach a spot where I saw muddy tire tracks pointing various directions dug into the mud on the shoulder. This is it, the chief said. Why have the rest of the town searching the woods if you think the boy's up here, Isaac asked. Just in case I'm wrong, the chief replied. God, I hope I'm wrong. Sadly, the chief was dead right. Almost. I was the one who actually found him. We had stopped where Sam performed his ritual, but found the area empty save for a few stakes and police tape warning civilians like me and Isaac to keep out. However, someone had ignored the bold black words and had recreated the pentagram in the dirt, and something else. The five-pointed star was darker than the rest of the ground. It looked like it had been recently saturated and hadn't yet dried. I noticed one point of the star overlapped the circle around it and touched the root of a tree. I followed the root to its trunk, and halfway up the trunk I spotted the rope. It was old and frayed, and a second pentagram was carved above its coils. With dread, I searched the tree's branches for poor Worthing 17's blue uniform. I realize now it was silly of me to assume he would have worn his soccer uniform to hike up into the hills and hang himself. I didn't find his body in the tree, though. Well, he was definitely here, I heard Red say. Or at least someone was, Isaac replied. I was too busy to participate in their conversation. I was walking towards the tree to investigate the rope. I still felt it was important. Turned out it was. The rope didn't run up into the tree branches like I had initially suspected. It ran back down the hill and disappeared into the leaves and brush on the forest floor. Hey guys, I shouted back to the other two. They came running. Is it him? Isaac asked. Maybe, I answered. I gave the rope a quick thwack and we watched it in silence. Its vibrations created a wide helix and slowly shrank along the rope's length. Looks long. Red observed. Might go down to the creek. Isaac and I shared concerned glances. The other two must have been weighed down by the burden of what we were all sure we were about to discover. They fell behind as I took the lead, following the rope down the hill, around trees and bushes. Soon, I could hear the water bubbling up onto the creek bed. Just as soon as I could see the creek, I found Wade Worthing. He was floating in the six-inch deep creek with the rope tied around his neck. He was face down. I only recognized him from his shaggy blonde hair and the blue rider's uniform with Worthing 17 on the back, which he had actually been wearing when he ran out the night before. In the short seconds before the others caught up with me, I wondered if anything that had happened to me since I'd arrived in Ridgeville had been a coincidence. I had met Sam first and Wade second, the same order in which they had died. Wade had been wearing the same uniform in which he now floated before me, dead, and to the watch Sam gave me being inside the church the night it burned down, and I couldn't ignore the odds anymore. I decided in those short, quiet seconds, something bigger had been at work long before Sam had given me the watch, maybe even before I had come to town. Someone retched beside me and brought me back to the creek, the rope, the boy bobbing at the end of it. It was Isaac who had made the noise. When he steadied himself, Red came up to my side and asked, ''You think it was suicide or murder?'' ''You were asking me?'' I replied, involuntarily glancing at his badge as it winked in the sunlight. ''I'm just thinking out loud. We can check this out for a minute, but I'm on duty and there's a devastated mother wondering where her child is. I can't hold off on calling this in for too long. I understand, I said. I slid carefully down the embankment and took off my shoes. I rolled up my jeans and started wading towards the body, thankful it was downstream. Red followed, but didn't bother to remove his boots or roll his pants. The body was stiff, bloated, and extra cold from the water. Its skin was gray and sort of translucent. "'Can we roll him over?' I asked Red. "'We really shouldn't disturb the scene, but...' "'Red winced and grabbed Wade's saturated uniform. "'He looked up at me expectantly, "'and I reached down and grabbed my own handful of wet fabric. "'Red gave a three-count, and we turned the body over. "'Wade's eyes were open and colorless. "'His face was purple and puffy. "'His tongue had swelled, filling his mouth "'and forcing its way between his blue lips.' Now it was my turn to wretch. Dispatch, this is the chief. I've got a body approximately two miles up Lorna Creek. I heard Red make the call, but I had otherwise disassociated from the present. Red's radio crackled and a voice said something to him, but it all sounded like noise coming through a wall. My ears started ringing and my vision shrank. I realized I was about to black out. I woke up laying on the hard plastic back seat of Red's police cruiser. All the doors had been left open to give me some air. I later learned that Isaac had noticed me looking pale and starting to sway and had jumped into the creek just in time to catch me before I fell face first into the water. He and Red had dragged me back up the embankment. No, absolutely not. Do not under any circumstances allow that woman up here, I heard Red say sternly. Got it, Chief. A voice I didn't recognize replied. As consciousness slowly picked me back up, I noticed the hurried sounds of many people all around me. I sat up slowly and took in the scene. Uniformed cops were everywhere. Most of them appeared to be down by the creek where one was wrapping police tape around trees. An ambulance had backed up as far as it could toward the embankment. Ah, oh, good. You're awake, Isaac said. I jumped. I hadn't noticed him sitting perfectly still in the passenger seat up front. How long was I out? I asked. A while. At least 15 minutes, I'd guess. While you were out, we got some bad news. Bad enough for the town, but probably worse for us. What do you mean? There was a freak accident at the funeral home. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Honestly, it's like something out of a bad movie. Oh, for crying out loud, just tell me what happened. I snapped. There was a water main break near the edge of town. It flooded the street in front of the funeral home and overflowed all around it. Apparently, there was a sinkhole no one knew about right next to the funeral home. When the water came up and soaked the ground, it all just collapsed. The ground, the building, just gone. Took poor Bernice down with it. Who's Bernice? I asked. She was the mortician there. A sweet old thing. You'd never have been able to guess what she did for a living. "'Geez,' I said. "'I processed this news for a moment. "'You said it was worse for us. "'What did you mean by that?' "'Think about it,' Isaac said. "'Sam burns up out here, and my church burns down. "'Wade drowns, and a freak flood takes down the funeral home. "'Patrick, I think the demon is making these people "'perform ritual sacrifices of themselves. "'I think he's using them to assault the town.' "'Oh my god, Sam,' I said.' Isaac raised an eyebrow at me. His body? Where would his body have been kept? Well, they would have taken it to the... Oh. Isaac went quiet as he came to the same realization I just had. Sam would have been inside that funeral home when it collapsed. I wondered if any of the bodies had been lost. Do you think it's trying to destroy the evidence? I asked. The driver's door opened suddenly and made me jump again. I guess I wasn't quite as conscious as I had thought yet. We gotta go, the chief said as he sat in front of the wheel. Wade's mother is causing a scene down at the bottom of the hill and you two really shouldn't be here anyway. As we drove down the hill, Isaac filled Red in on the conversation we had just had. Okay, here's what we do, Red said. I'll deal with Miss Worthing, you two head over to the funeral home and check it out. There won't be much of a police presence there since I've got almost everyone up here dealing with the kids still. If you see anything worth worrying about, call me. Got it? We agreed to the plan. I couldn't look at Mara Worthing as we rounded the bend and came to the bottom of the hill. I knew my face would give everything away. Not that she needed another hint about what was happening. She must have already known her son was dead. She ran at the car and Red quickly got out to intercept her. Isaac and I took our cue and started walking back to my house to get my car. It feels quiet, doesn't it? Isaac asked as we entered town on foot. Yeah, I agreed. The already low energy of Ridgeville had seemingly dissipated, leaving perfect silence behind. There wasn't one car on the road or a single person out in their yard. Most blinds and curtains had been closed. Almost every door was shut. I wanted to shout out, Hello, can anyone hear me? But I was too afraid. I was too afraid there would be no answer at all. My car was in my driveway and I already had the keys in my pocket, so we got in and headed to the funeral home. I wondered whether the road would even be open and decided just to get as close as I could. The first person we came across was a public works man from the city sitting in the cab of his pickup. I pulled up alongside him and asked what the situation was up ahead. Roads closed down to one lane, he said. Half the highways collapsed. You can go on ahead, but don't be surprised if they send you packing back this way." I thanked him and moved on. There was a fire truck and a single police car up ahead, and I drove on towards them. Not surprisingly, a young police officer stopped us as soon as we got close. She held her hand up until I came to a complete stop, then she approached my window. "'The road's not safe until we can figure out how big the sinkhole is,' she told me. "'So, is there any way I can get out of town?' I asked. You'll have to go back the way you came, up through the hills. Eventually, you'll come to another road and can backtrack. But that'll take at least an hour, I argued. I know, sorry. I wish I had a better solution, but honestly, we're a little overwhelmed at the moment. All right. thanks, officer, I said, and rolled up my window. Why do you want to get out of town? Isaac asked. I don't, but now I know if I did, it would be a long time before I could get somewhere safe. You think that's by design? Has anything that's happened felt random to you? I asked, regrettably displaying my frustration to the pastor. Of course I think it's by design. It's killing people one by one and now it's cut us off. You realize what this means, right? Medical aid, backup for the police, additional fire trucks, all of those things that were only 10 minutes away will now take over an hour to get here from the city. Isaac looked utterly defeated for a moment. I felt bad and was about to apologize for being too harsh when he perked up. Do you see that? He asked. I followed his gaze through the windshield and up the north hill. Oh my god! I shouted. That's the dog I saw in my house. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening.